Alright, so imagine you live near the end of the late Middle Ages. It's around the year 1521, and you're working on a small farm somewhere outside the city of Worms, Germany. I say you work on a farm and not own a farm, because during this time in history, most people are peasant farmers working under a feudal system in a predominantly agricultural society in which the land is owned by a lord under the management of vassals who exercise sole rights and ownership over the land, or the manor, as it was also called. You, as a mere peasant, are allowed stewardship of a small piece of property belonging to the Lord to support your family, though a good portion of your production and your proceeds have to funnel right back up to the vassal and the Lord over you. It's a life of hard work with minimal dividends. On this particular spring day, we'll say it's April 16th, the ground is soft enough to begin plowing the fallow field you intend to let rest and fertilize with nitrogen-rich manure for the season. So, you harness a pair of steer oxen up to your plow, and working clockwise, you set out to turn over about an acre's worth of long ridge and furrow strips. In the process, you work as much manure from those plowing oxen that you can to mix in with a broken-up clay soil, with plans to also uh, later pasture as much livestock as possible in the field to get a good spread of their dung as well to be mixed in after a second plowing at a later date. As it turns to midday, you start to feel the aches in your back and your shirt's already drenched with sweat. You take a brief moment to rest. Notice in the adjacent field other peasant serfs spreading barley and oat seeds down similar rows that had laid fallow the previous year. Then looking over on the old dirt road cutting through the fields, you notice a simple two-wheeled wagon drawn by horses on the way into town. Two men are perched behind the reins, one of the men an obvious monk with his classic ring of hair and shaved scalp. He's wearing his traditional monastic robe and rope cincher around his waist. As you watch the monk travel past, you start to daydream about what kind of life he must live and the kind of ministry work he must be on his way to do. You imagine how God must be so much more pleased with his labors than your own, Here you are, knee-deep in ox manure, smelling every bit like the peasant you are, and can't help but feel unclean, both physically and spiritually. You honestly can't remember the last time you recited one of the traditional prayers or made a confession. Though you sometimes go without a meal, it's not because you're deliberately fasting. You just don't always have food in the pantry. You're also not the kind of person who is very charitable by giving to the poor, since by all accounts you are the poor. Oh, what it would be like to be that monk. Oh, what it would be like to be a member of the clergy who have a closer relationship with God, who know their Bibles, who are building up for themselves treasures in heaven, and for some, though perhaps a story for another day, building their treasures on earth too. (laughs) Since being in the 16th century, you know a lot of church officials who seem to live a privileged life. Well, Little do you know the reason this monk is traveling into town and just how different he is than most of the other clergy in the church. His name is Martin Luther, and because of some of the controversial writing and teaching he's been doing as a whistleblower of church corruption and a proponent of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, according to scripture alone, he's been summoned to the city of Worms for a special assembly to answer for his positions. Most famously, he'll be questioned on his 95 Theses, which he nailed to the door of Castle Church in Wittenberg four years earlier on October 31st, 1517. A stack of other writings are being challenged too, one of them titled An Open Letter to the Christian Nobility of the German Nation, 
written in 1520, just a year prior to his being summoned before the, the council at Worms. Little does the peasant farmer know that in that open letter, this ordained member of the clergy, this perceivably sacred man of God, ironically argued that in God's eyes, he's really no more holy and no more favored by God than the man knee-deep in ox manure. In that letter, Luther wrote, quote, It is pure invention that pope, bishops, priests, and monks are to be called the spiritual, while calling princes, lords, artisans, and farmers the temporal, or the carnal. That is indeed a fine bit of lying and hypocrisy. All Christians are truly spiritual, and there is among them no difference at all but that of office. There's really no difference between laymen and priests, princes and bishops, spirituals and temporals as they call them, except that of office and work. A cobbler, a smith, a farmer, each has the work and office of his trade, and yet they are all alike, consecrated priests and bishops, and everyone by means of his own work or office must benefit and serve every other that in this way many kinds of work may be done for the bodily and spiritual welfare of the community, even as all the members of the body serve one another. End quote. In other words, from Luther's point of view, which, by the way, is the Bible's point of view, all believers are priests, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. All believers in Christ can approach God with confidence, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. And all believers share a sacred calling before God. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 17. It, it doesn't matter if you're a preacher or a farmer. It doesn't matter if you're a Bible translator or a manure spreader. All believers play a valuable role in God's economy. In a related sermon, Luther stated, quote, Do not act the part of fools who examine various works and undertakings to select such as are good and to reject such as are bad, thereby making a distinction between the works as such? No, not so. Leave the works in one class. Consider one as good as another. Fear God and be just, as has been said, and then do whatever comes before you. This way, all will be done even though it is no more than loading manure or driving a mule. At another point he said, quote, if you ask an insignificant maidservant why she scours a dish or milks the cow, she can say, I know that the thing I do pleases God, for I have God's word and commandment. God does not look at the insignificance of the acts, but at the heart that serves him in such little things. Again, he observed, quote, a dairymaid can milk cows to the glory of God. And if your job is shoveling manure then do your best and shovel that manure for the glory of God. <laughs> it, it reminds me of 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whatever you do. What does whatever you do include? Well, I imagine whatever you do includes whatever you do. <laughs> no doubt it includes milking the cow, butchering the pig, collecting the eggs, doing the laundry, baking the bread, schooling the kids, and yes, fertilizing the soil with cow poop. Whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And we can be sure if all those things are truly done out of a heart to serve our families, our 
bosses, our community, our church, then glorifying God is precisely what we're doing as we demonstrate his loving, providing care to others. Ultimately, giving thanks and praise to God in the entire process. You don't have to be a famous name in the course of church history or a key player launching a great movement like the Protestant Reformation, as Luther did. In fact, though history does remember him, Luther once said, quote, If the choice were given to me, I would pick the work of a Christian farmer or maid, even if it were very coarse and boorish, in preference to all the victorious and triumphant works of Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar, and others, end quote. Why do you think that was? Because Luther knew that it's not by great works a person is favored by God, but by the finished work of Christ on our behalf on Calvary. It's by his merits, not ours, that our work, however impressive or unimpressive that is by the world's standards, is considered glorifying to the true Lord of the manor. To offer just a word of encouragement to all of you out there who, by all accounts, live a relatively simple life, doing relatively simple chores. Maybe you're listening to this podcast while working in the garden, getting dirt beneath your fingernails. If you're doing so with gratitude in your heart and a desire to serve others through the fruits of your labor, I can tell you the Lord is pleased with your work. I'll end it there. I hope you were encouraged by something I said. If you haven't liked or subscribed to our channel yet, I want to invite you to do that. Stay tuned for more episodes to come. Until next time, thank you for listening, and God bless. Mm -hmm.